Hi, and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And let's jump right in. So Jessica. Karen. What have you been working on? Oh, you all know what I've been working on. (laughs) I've been working on the Penguono, like a number of you have as well, for it feels like a long time now. So since the beginning of the year and really kind of breaking my normal knitting behaviors, I've been very committed to this single project. I usually bounce back and forth between things and give myself a break, but like I've had a lot of fun knitting the Penguono. The construction is interesting. It's been fun to deep dive in my stash to pull different yarns together and kind of see how the shape and color palette evolves. And I've really loved it, but I am in the home stretch and it is a lot. Yeah. Like I'm at the point now where I'm working at the very bottom edge of this penguino and mine is enormous. I know that some people who have knit it as part of our make good stash down have created smaller penguinos than they expected. Mine is perhaps bigger than I expected, and it's taking me like 45 minutes-ish to like knit a row at this point because there are so many stitches on my needle. So I'm so close, and it feels so far away, (laughs) but really I'm hoping it'll be done in the next few days. Yeah. And you've been doing some dedicated knitting as well this year. I'm halfway, I'm more than halfway through sock number six out of six. That's so amazing. (laughs) In a row. And like, it has been super fun. But I think that's enough socks. I think like my attention capacity for socks was five. And now the sixth one is starting to feel like uh, a little bit of a slog. Yeah, because you're usually not specifically a sock knitter. Right. I don't usually knit multiple pairs of socks in a row. And like, you know, usually when I have socks that I'm working on, they're like a secondary project or they're, you know, they're your bag knitting or they're your, your meeting knitting or whatever, you know. And in this case, they've been my like primary knitting. And I really enjoyed the first five of them. (laughs) But since I don't have an odd number of feet, I really need to finish the sixth sock. And it is challenging my attention span a little bit. Right. So I suppose that brings us to today's question. Yes. Which is, if you've been knitting on a project for an extended period of time, and you're kind of feeling like you've hit a wall. Right. What inspires you to, A, finish it, but also to switch gears and look forward to what the next thing will be? Yeah. And I think everybody right now is a is a little bit in that spot because we've been in this weird COVID time is fake, eternal, you know, it's been March since last March and somehow it's about to be March again, right? Right. So like, I think probably a lot of people are in that place where whatever their creative project is, it's kind of tough to find that mojo sometimes and to feel that like forward momentum and not just I'm going to be knitting socks until the end of time. And Mm -hmm. also it's somehow still March of last year. So the end of time is literally never going to get here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you need a spark and something to like get you excited about doing something different. Yes. And it doesn't even have to be like different, like way outside of your realm of comfort, just like something that makes you feel good and enthusiastic and like this next project 
is going to breathe some life into you. Yes. I got a newsletter from the Cooperative Press the other day because I recently ordered a book from them. And it was about, you know, how how are you doing heading into year two of the pandemic and how like the attention span that the newsletter writer has for their knitting is like womp womp. It's a little sad trombone and like garter stitch is about the the bandwidth that they have. Yeah. And I was like that. This whole penguono has been garter stitch for me. I didn't do like the brioche band or anything. It's been very garter stitch. And I felt very seen by that newsletter. Well, and this isn't uniquely a COVID situation either. I think oh, we've probably right. all had an experience like this where, you know, you pick up a project and whatever it is, it could be all stockinette, you know, you're using like speckly indie dyed yarn and it's not color work. And by the end of it, you're really ready for a shift in gears or it's all color work. And by the end of it, you're like, all I want to do is knit one color and not think about multiple strands of yarn or it's all garter. And by the end, you're like, I really want to do some texture. So what's inspiring you? Yeah. So <laughs> I am primarily a sweater knitter. I, the thing I want to knit is sweaters. It was kind of funny. So if you're, if you're a local person, you know this. And if you're not a local person, we live in a really interesting area. What, what is it? It's a micro metropolitan. Something, We're a something. micropolitan. We're the largest micropolitan in the country. So we have this kind of unusual mix of like national chains and like local shops and all that kind of stuff. And an old Navy came in a couple of years ago. Clothing has always been a little tricky around here. Like for me personally, anyway, there's like a Kohl's and there was a Penny's until not too long ago. An old Navy came in and we went to the old Navy for something and they had sweaters for sale because it's an old Navy. <laughs> and I haven't bought a sweater, I think, since we opened the store. Mm hmm. And I was looking at them and I was going, it hadn't really occurred to me that I hadn't bought a sweater since we opened the store because I don't clothing shop in person. And so the way I shop for my sweaters is I browse Ravelry. Right. It's slow motion sweater shopping. So anyway, I've been slow motion sweater shopping as I'm knitting my socks. And I have a whole big list of sweaters that I'm really excited to knit. Good. And like, that is the thing that like pushes me forward is... Someday I'm going to get to wear this. So how about you? What have you been looking at? So I'm, I'm going in a different direction. Like I am very much a sweater knitter as well. But I'm also, I think probably because of the nature of what a lot of my work is with the store, I spend a lot of time doing virtual knitting help in this last year. And like I love sitting down with knitters in person and picking through their project and like reading their stitches and trying to figure out where things have gone awry and how to course correct. And I'm very interested in construction of garments and accessories. So as I think more about that, it occurred to me, you know what, I could get a little more nerdy about this and think about the next steps of this process, like not just how is this fabric created, but how is this pattern created? So I decided I was going to throw my name out there to volunteer to test knit for a designer. And I'm going to be test knitting the back roads wrap for Brianne Moody. I love her designs. I knit her reunion cardi in the fall and loved it so much. I immediately cast on one for my mom and that was her Christmas present. That was such a good cardigan. Yeah, it's a great little cropped sweater. It's fun to knit and super wearable. I love it. 
But I thought it would be interesting to go through this process because I've test sewn garments for a number of indie designers at this point, but I've never test knit for a knitwear designer. And I thought this will be interesting. Like, what is it like talking with other test knitters and doing like kind of critical read of a pattern while you're creating a thing to see if it's getting you the results that you're supposed to be getting. Right. So I am excited about this process. I picked out my yarn the other day. I'm going to be using Nurtured from Julie Asselin and it's going to be fun. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm excited to flex my brain a little bit differently right now. So I'm going to dig into this test knit and kind of explore that process, which I think will be fun. Yeah. So test knitting I've always found a little bit intimidating, mostly because I don't understand the process and I think I have some leftover like early knitter worry. So I used to be one of those knitters and I'm less so now, but I was glued to my pattern. I had my pattern, I had my pen, I had my row clicker and, you know, <laughs> and I couldn't read my knitting. Mm -hmm. The pattern could have told me to do literally anything. And I'd be like, that's what the pattern says. And I would have done it. And then I would have been like, why are there four arms on the sweater? Like I, you know, but if I, right. if I misunderstood the pattern and put four arms on it and thought that's what it said, I would have just kept knitting. So I worry because part of the point of test knitting is to catch mistakes in the pattern. So right. I, I just think this is going to be really interesting. And I'm really looking forward to watching you go through this because maybe I'll get over that and I'll, I'll be in a place where I feel like I can do some test knitting too. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I feel like I'm getting a sneak peek yes. at, at someone's creative <laughs> process. And I know that the, the pattern's already been tech edited. So I don't imagine that yeah. I'm going to encounter like any glaringly, like there's a whole missing line or something like all of those things are probably taken care of. But I think going through like seeing if my reading of it, my results are what she has intended them to be is going to be really fun. Can we just take a little aside here and say, if there are any tech editors who are listening to this, we want to interview you about this process. Please send us an email. We've talked about this, I think, once or twice before. I feel like tech editing is the like alchemical mystery of the design process. I want to <laughs> understand it. I don't understand, like, on some level, I don't know who tech editors are in the same way I don't know who writes dictionary entries. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like magical beings who do things in dark rooms and then everything works better. Like, in the world, everything works better. So I, we want to talk to you. So please email us. We have questions. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and if you know a tech editor, tell them. We want to talk to them. Yeah, if you want to get in touch, you can DM us on our Instagram oh, sure. at makegoodpod, or you can email us at dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. But let's chat because you're mystifying and <laughs> magical. Yeah, I just think that would be really fun to mm -hmm. do. So I that's my initial next step for getting excited about things. You said you have sweaters you want to knit. What are you looking at? Oh man. Okay, so I don't use Ravelry the way I'm supposed to, or I have an actual queue, I just buy the patterns. And so then I have patterns in my library. So it was funny because when I was prepping for this, I was like, oh, I should look through my queue. And I was like, I have an empty queue. But here are the patterns that I've been looking at. Mm -hmm. So I really want to knit something by Nora Gaunt. She is local. I, I have knit a couple of like small projects of hers. Mm-hmm. But I've never actually knit a sweater of hers, and I love them. She does such cool, like, cabled 
like structural, almost like you almost think like architectural when you think about her stuff. And so I've had my eye on her Barnhart sweater, which is a relatively recent one. And it's just like right at the top of my library. And I'm kind of excited about it. I've been looking at the Kate Davies Evendune sweater and I never, ever do this, but I think I actually want it in the colorway. Like I want it in the yarn she knit it in. It's so cute. Oh, nice. And so I I keep thinking I'm going to just order. She has a shop and you can order directly from her like kits to make her designs. And I, I keep thinking I'll probably just do that because I just love the version she knit so much. Yeah. Usually I'm like, oh, I think I'll do it like different colors. But in this case, I just really like it. It's striped. It's a pretty straightforward, like, kind of crew neck pullover sweater. Mm -hmm. I've knit a couple of Kate Davies patterns, and they fit me really well, and I like them. It sounds very wearable. Yes. And then there's a designer. Her name is Chantal Belial. She has done, I think the thing that you would probably know of hers is the house dress that was, like, going around a couple of years ago. I have such a knitter crush on her designs. They're great. Yeah, and like very different. The the egg yolk, the egg yes, sweater, the eggs. Oh yeah. God, I love them. Her designs are fantastic. And I feel like they should be, they don't really get the credit they deserve. Like I feel like more people should knit them because they're just really fun. And she has one that has like big monstera leaves on it. And if you know me in person or ever come to the store, I'm like kind of a crazy plant lady. And we joke about how, you know, the plants are just taking over and they like when we leave the store at night they like do things on their own like we'll come in and they will have grown a weird amount anyway so I feel like by bringing the monsteras onto my sweater I will maybe convince the plants that I'm one of them and then they won't have to get me big plant energy <laughs> and then there's a Bristol Ivy sweater also it's called Hester and it has this really neat I'm, I'm gonna fail at describing this and I'm gonna make wild hand gestures at the microphone the like spine of the sweater is solid. And then there are these sort of lace panels that come across the backs of the shoulders. Oh, nice. And it connects. And I'm just really interested in this construction. And I'm kind of excited to see how it's put together and also to wear it all the time. So nice. I knit the drift sweater a couple of years ago. We both knit this one um, mm -hmm. that has like a lacy top to it. Yeah, like the eyelets across the yoke. You know, it's definitely not a January, February in New Hampshire kind of sweater, but it is mm -hmm. a June in New Hampshire kind of sweater. So I think having like lacy stuff across the back will be a good, I don't know, April, May in New Hampshire kind of sweater. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one. Cool. So, and those were all of my sweaters all at once because I'm so excited about them. So that's great. What else is inspiring you right now? So I am, I'm also feeling inspired by a sweater. I really like brioche. And I yeah. kind of never knit it. Like I knit uh, Jackie Seaslack's Ursa sweater a couple of times. I did two different versions of that. And that has like a half brioche triangle on the front and back. But I've never really done an all over brioche project. I don't know why. I just haven't. But James N. Watts has he's released. So he's fantastic. And he has <laughs> released his first sweater pattern. Um, he has lots of super cute hats and beanies, I think maybe even a beret in his pattern collection at this point. But he just released a sweater called Earth and Air. And it's brioche all over. It's got kind of a wide neck. It's a pullover and has like not I don't want to say bell sleeves. They're maybe like bracelet length and just kind of wide at the bottom, but they're not like 
dramatically oversized or anything, but it's brioche all over. And I think his sample was knit using Harrisville Highlands. Nice. And then I don't remember whose yarn it was, but it's like a mohair kid silk lace weight something. Nice. So you're working your brioche with a worsted weight and then like ethereal halo lace weight yarn. And he did his in like, maybe it was an oatmeal and like highlighter yellow. Awesome. And it's beautiful. And I think it would be fun to make. It would probably be a quick knit, which I am definitely here for after this penguono. Right. And it just has like a very kind of like magical aesthetic to it. So I'm excited about trying out his sweater. It's a good look. Yeah. Yeah. He's so much fun. If you, um, we'll link his Instagram. You want to hear what else is getting me excited and inspired? Yes. The upcoming issue of Pom Pom. Because you're also a sewer, so this is very much made for you. Yeah. But I'm... also, it makes me want to learn to sew because the quilting and everything is so cool. Yeah. So the spring issue of Pom Pom, which will be out in a couple of weeks, like very, very soon, was inspired by quilts. So there are lots of really beautiful quilts kind of like featured throughout the publication, like as hanging backdrops. But the the designs are all inspired by that. So there's some very like patchwork aesthetic going on. There are amazing sweaters and just the palette is so spring. Yes. Like it's beautiful. There are lots of pastels and like pinks and like golden hued yellows. And it's just so refreshing. Like, I love winter, and it has been winter for a long time. It really has. And, like, I'm feeling revived by the color in this upcoming issue. So the, the indie dyer, Kindred Red, Amalia, whose last name is escaping me, but Amalia, mm. is amazing. And she, she has designed for Pom Pom before because she also designs, and she has two projects yes. in this upcoming issue that I'm in love with. There is a sweater that uses scraps from your from your skeins. I think that they're like the little strings that tie your skeins together, but also if you have mini skeins of yarn you could use that or like leftover bits of sock yarn, but she's taken all of these little like bits of fingering weight yarn and kind of quilted this sweater. So that's like the top stitching on a quilt that gives it the texture that it has. It's so cool. It's beautiful. And like, what a neat way to use up all of those precious little bits of color that you might be holding on to in some way. <laughs> you might be putting in an enormous glass jar. <laughs> right, right. Or gigantic jar of yarn bits. But um, I just love the idea of using those like precious scraps that you can't bear to part with in a project that way. And the colors are just fresh and exciting and alive. Like yeah. I'm very into this. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a few in there that I'm really excited about. And like, normally I am, I'm same. Like I like fall. I like winter often kind of spring designs, mostly because we live in New Hampshire and it doesn't really get warm here until like June. Right. The designs that get released as spring designs in the spring, it's not that they leave me flat, but they like kind of make me feel left out. You know, I'm like, oh, right. If you live somewhere that wasn't this, you could wear this now. Maybe in four months, this will be a viable option. Right. I think when it comes to hand knits, yeah, like we don't have a lot of time, like 
actual calendar time for transition pieces. Right. Spring is short. Fall is short. Like it's either, you know, really warm and humid and shockingly sunny all of a sudden. (laughs) Or spoken like a vampire. Look, (laughs) the sun is not my friend. Or, you know, it's it's chilly and it's time to just throw on that cardigan. Right. And move on with your life. Get ready to hunker down for, for the cold <laughs> where I thrive. So yeah, it's it's a we're not a long spring season here. It's ice and mud season and then it's summer. You just said it feels like it's been winter for a really long time. I think yes, that is the case this year and also <laughs> Right. We're in we're in the time is fake bubble. How do you plan like when you are nearing the end of a long slog project? How do you start to think forward without losing your momentum on what you're working on? Do we actually have an answer to this question or is that something we're still working on? (laughs) So I think that's I think it's a personality type thing. I think some people are true like project monogamists and they are like, I cannot look at anything else. I am bringing this project to completion. Yeah. And then I can like clear my head and move on a little bit. I, I need a goal. So I'm getting toward the end of this penguono and there are other things that I want to do. And it's like, I need to dangle the carrot. Yes. And once I've identified what my carrot is, like, I know that's what I want to really be working on. So I have to power through the end of my penguono so I can start this new thing. Yes. So I think it's really like, and there are probably lots of other ways to deal with it too, but like those are the most immediately available to my imagination options. And I'm definitely a, I need a goal person. Yeah. I like to hang on to a couple of like less mindful projects because I do a lot of, um, I'm in so many meetings. Mm -hmm. So many meetings. And like right now, all those meetings are virtual. And so I can definitely be knitting. It's a little bit trickier sometimes, like in person. I knit through as many meetings as I feel like I can. Sometimes it gets a little weird. So there are like, I want to finish my Cinnabar, but that's a really good, like that's good meeting knitting. And so I'm in a little bit of a different place with the long slog projects because I can always justify, oh, this will be good meeting knitting later. That's hard to say, meeting knitting. <laughs> it's it's hard to do, meeting knitting. <laughs> yeah, so like, and I tend to be a little bit of an impulsive pattern chooser. Like, I don't use my Ravelry queue because I really need that burst of wanting to work on a project. I don't plan. And like, there are, there are people who come to Craft Night who plan months in advance what they're going to knit. Yes. And they will talk about it for months and they will like really weigh options and whatever. I will be, it'll be 11 o'clock in the morning and I'll see a pattern and I'll say, I have to knit this. And I have my yarn picked by 1115 and I'm already winding it. And if I don't cast it on that night, it will sit there for a while. You know, like I, I really need that like initial momentum. Yeah. It's an exciting process. Yes. And I think Different knitters are inspired by different stages in the process, too. Like, there are people who really love picking the yarn. There are people who really love that first, like, rush of casting on. There are process knitters who really are happy to do long slog projects and, like, Mm -hmm. they just like to have the needles moving. There are people who get really 
into it when they're like close to binding off. Like it's, it's interesting to talk to everybody we get to talk to and see all the ways they interact with all the stages of their process of yeah. their projects. Yeah. I think right now I'm really becoming kind of obsessed with like the creation of the design process. Yes. And I think that this test knit may be what nudges me into playing with design a little bit. Excellent. I have three ideas that are like germinating right now nice that I'm kind of excited about and we will see what happens this year with them <laughs> but I think um it's kind of like when I had the bakery yeah and I was baking and that was my work and like part of what kept that fresh for me was kind of getting geeky about things and like digging into like what is the difference between using like flowers with different protein percentages and I want to learn about candy making and like let's experiment with boiling sugar and like getting into like very like kind of granular pieces of the process to understand it better and and to play with it. So yeah. I think that I'm I'm entering that phase of my knitting life right now. Well, and it always feels like design work is almost the natural extension of that stage of knitting where the pattern is a stepping off point. You know, those mm -hmm. knitters who are like, I like this design, but that's not how I like to knit my socks. So I'm going to flip the chart upside down. I'm going to change the heel. I'm going to change the toe and I'm going to make it longer. But other than that, I'm totally doing the pattern. Right. Or the people who do like, I'm thinking of the, um, the Kate Davies paper dolls sweater where people use that, but they plug other things in where the paper dolls are. Yeah. Yep. It's exciting. Yeah, you it's just, really cool. You've got your stitch count and you just get to plug in and create your own charts. Kind of like how Tin Kin Knits created the Strange Brew sweater yes. so that you could experiment with creating your own color work. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a neat, I really appreciate that Tin Can Knits does that. Like, you know. Learn by doing. Learn by doing. Right. Like learn how to do design through this sort of template thing. We'll kind of walk you through it. But if, if what you want to do is a color work sweater here's the process. Here's, especially for somebody who like makes their living designing. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a way of engaging community. It's nice. Yeah. Plus it's fun. Definitely. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about what we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. Are you working on any, you're not working on anything other than your penguono? So I did start a sock. Okay. Like I've got a, oh, your sock. I'm excited about your sock. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same pattern that you've been working on. It's these Dre Renee Knits Everyday Socks, mostly because it was the last sock pattern I knit. So it's in my head still, and yeah. I didn't need to look it up. And the only reason I started this sock with this ball of special cannoli yarn from yes. Haverland from Vogue Knitting Live in 2019 it was my little souvenir yarn. Huh. The only reason I started it was because I tried to start working on the bottom band of my penguono and I didn't have a long enough cable oh, yeah. to get all of the stitches onto my needle. I had like a 30 inch cable and I didn't have cable connectors for my large cables, so I couldn't piece it together to make it bigger. I had to wait until the next day when I went to work so I could pick up a 50 inch cable. And even on the 50 inch cable, this is an exhausting number of stitches. So <laughs> while we were watching some true crime, I cast on a sock. So my hands had something to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I picked up my forager. 
which is exciting. Which is really exciting. It's a good sweater. I am motivated by wanting to wear it. So even though I am trying to finish my my sixth sock, I really want to get these sleeves done. So I'm like powering through. And after how long socks take, it feels like these sleeves are going really fast. So I'm actually optimistic that within a week or two, I'm going to be wearing this thing, which I'm really excited about. I, I love that sweater. I love that yarn so much. Elder. It's the Elder from mm-hmm. Ritual Dyes. And it is like, it's the best. I it's just beautiful. It. Yeah. I also think it's funny to hear you talk about, like, I totally understand why your sleeve feels like it's flying compared to socks. Because I'm having the exact same yet opposite experience with my penguono in the sock toe. <laughs> like the penguono feels like it's so slow on these big needles with all of this heavy yarn. Because when I get into like large gauge needles, my hands just move so slow. They hate it. So knitting my sock on my size ones, I was like, I'm flying. I'm going so fast. <laughs> Look at all these stitches. Well, it occurred. So I picked this back up night before last Mm -hmm. and I have knit the sleeve past the length that my sock would need to be in two days and I'm like well if I could just do this with my sock but it would take way longer with fingering weight yarn and tiny needles like it just yeah it is it's sometimes you it's what we were talking about before you just need to change what you're doing yeah yeah and that'll do it yeah so we're excited to hear about what inspires you yes you should Send us a message or tag us in a picture of something that's exciting or you're looking forward to or email us and let us know because we want to hear about your knitter inspiration as well. Yes, very much. Jessica. Karen. Are you ready? Oh, no. (laughs) They're never bad. I don't know. It's It's never a like pop quiz. What's the, I don't know. It could be though because I don't know. What's the fourth star to the left of... I don't know. (laughs) I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, are you ready for a letter? Sure. Let's do it. So our letter today comes from Mary from the White Mountains. Hey, Mary. Which, if you're not local, that's New Hampshire. That's us. We're the White Mountains. (laughs) Could you address some considerations when planning to travel with one's knitting? My partner and I are planning to hit the road for some extended travel after vaccines, of course, in a van this summer. My knitting will be with me, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on what types of projects, needles, safe storage, etc. are best for traveling with knitting. I'm hoping to hit local yarn shops along the way so that I'm not traveling with gobs of yarn. I'm also thinking of traveling with a full set of Chowgu interchangeable circulars to save space. Any other suggestions are most welcome. And there's a follow-up question, but we'll get to that after you answer this one. Okay. (laughs) I am am floored at the thought of traveling. Well, and I think this fits in really well with our, like, things you're looking forward to and things you're planning because... I think we've been seeing this a lot in the last just couple of weeks, like local folks are starting to get their second dose of the vaccine. And all of a sudden, it's like a light at the end of this tunnel. Right. So I'm going to answer this with a disclaimer that I am not Dr. Fauci. And (laughs) um, you should be following CDC guidelines and recommendations for what is safe. And also, if you are 
traveling and road tripping, if it's in an RV or whatever you're doing, please pay attention to what the individual rules and guidelines and restrictions are in every state that you're planning on going to because they vary wildly. And it's really important for community health to be following those guidelines, even if you personally are vaccinated the numbers in the community that you're going to may be very low or, you know, there there are issues depending on time. So just please be cognizant of that. But to answer this question, assuming that it is green light safe to be going different places and you're following all the rules and doing things the correct way, if you are traveling, I think that having an interchangeable set of needles is great. It's a smart way to minimize the number of bits and pieces that you need to have with you. I think that if if I were going to be doing this, I think that I would collect my notions and needles and stuff that I wanted to keep with me and would dedicate a bag for just those things, whether it's something like the knitter's caddy from Coco Knits or like a knitter's backpack or even Like we had great little messenger bags made for the shop's birthday last year. So there's a flap and like good pockets, like find a bag that kind of fits your organizational needs. And that's where your tools and supplies and things live just in that bag. So you're not like, where did I put this? Is it under my pillow? Is it like, where has it gone? Like have a a dedicated space for your equipment, as it were. I just like the notion that you would store your knitting needles under your pillow for like exciting surprises at all hours of the day. Right. I don't know. (laughs) But like if you're in a camper or an RV or something and maybe you're sitting in your bed space where you're knitting (laughs) and it just gets like plopped down next to you and shoved (laughs) under the pillow. I don't know, Karen. I I have not made travel plans with Mary. Um, So, you know, stuff ends up anywhere. Could be anywhere. Keep, Keep track of it. Don't lose it. Also, have a plan for your patterns. Like, are you a paper pattern person? Great. You might want some sort of system to store all of those, whether it's a three-ring binder or you fold it up in a notebook or you have like one of those great little portfolio things from Coco Knits that are designed for organizing your patterns. It's kind of like traveler notebook style where there are the long kind of elastic bands that run along the spine so you could like pop a folder in there and like hold on to your things. But plan to be organized that way. Or if you're a digital pattern person, maybe you have like an iPad or some other e-reader and you have all of your patterns that you want to be using queued up in PDF form so that way if you are somewhere and you don't have internet access, like you can just open it up and like read your PDFs and mark them up. Karen has some sort of app. What is it? Oh, it's called Good Notes. Good Notes. I wanted to call it Good Reads or Make Good. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's us. Yeah. So on my iPad, I use it for patterns. And like, I used to just load patterns into the books. I think it was iBooks. And then it was Mm -hmm. books. Apple keeps taking their eye out of all their things. And my big problem with that wasn't a real problem, but you couldn't make like real marks on it. You could like highlight it, but you couldn't like cross things off really. And I like good notes because it syncs. So you can sync it to your phone. You can sync it to your iPad. You could sync it to your laptop. Mm -hmm. You know, you could sit on Ravelry on your laptop and download a bunch of patterns and then it'll pop up on your iPad, which I, 
I think I just wasn't very good at iBooks. <laughs> I think in the episode where we talked about like our favorite tips and tools, a knitter let us know about some other like pattern reading software too that are kind of specific to that. So yeah. like explore your options, but have your patterns ready. If you are a person who gets kind of like motion sick, which is totally me, there's an app called Knit Companion. You can load things in and it takes a little time to set up. So this would be something you would want to do before you leave probably. But you, you spend some time loading your patterns in and then you can actually have it read your patterns out loud to you. You can also, I think, disable that feature, but like it will read out like knit five, purl two together, knit 12, like whatever. That's so interesting. Yeah. So if you don't want to have to be like reading a piece of paper. How handy and accessible. That's nice. Yeah. It's just neat. Yeah. So I think once you've taken care of your tools Mm -hmm. and your pattern needs and your project bag, if you are thinking about acquiring your yarn as you travel, do a little bit of research beforehand because yarn shops have wildly varying policies right now because of the pandemic. And things are still very different all around the country. At the time that we're recording this, our doors are still locked and they've been locked since November and we don't have a plan to open them very soon. Yeah. Like there's still a number of things we need to consider to figure out what we will be able to do to safely have people in the building again as a non-essential business. So some places are wide open. Some places have very scaled back hours or require appointments or only allow X number of people in at any time. So I would spend a little bit of time figuring out what yarn shops will be along your travel route and kind of check in with them. Because if you leave at the end of July and you're going to be driving for six weeks, the rules that might be in place at the end of July may be different by the time September rolls around. Right. So follow up to make sure that you're meeting them in a place where it makes sense for you to be able to get yarn from them. Ravelry has that really great road trip feature. It's kind of buried on Ravelry. I can never find it from the Ravelry page, but if you just Google like Ravelry road trip, you can enter in where you're going to be going and you can designate how far off your route you're willing to travel. Mm -hmm. So if you say like, I'm going to be driving down 91 and I'm willing to go 10 miles from 91, uh, it will tell you what yarn shops are within those parameters. And so you could like make that plan And just as a secondary note to something Jessica was just saying, as you're checking with shops about what their opening situation is during the pandemic, I would recommend specifically go to their website because like we've run into this a little bit. You know, we have hours on our website and on Facebook and on Google and on Ravelry and on Yelp, which we have tried to get rid of and like all kinds of all kinds of everywhere. And it's really hard to keep all of those things synced up. We just always feel really bad when someone's like, oh, I saw these hours and we're like, oh, I forgot to change it on Facebook or whatever. So like usually the shop's website is going to be your most reliable source for that. Absolutely. Yep. If they have a phone number, you can call their voicemail (laughs) might have numbers on it. But I definitely know that before we stopped having a phone, keeping the voicemail updated was a particular challenge for us, I think, because we emotionally had divested ourselves from having a phone. (laughs) Yeah. So like do your homework and figure out what way is the best way to 
interact with these places. One of the things that is really fun to do when you're going around to a bunch of shops on this kind of trip is to try to find, like, if there's, you know, you've probably thought about this, Mary, but, like, picking up something that's local from all of these places. Or just, like, you know, if you're if you're able to go into the store, asking the person who's there, like, what do you like that's here? And then it, it acts as a sort of, like, a like a little travel journal for you. I mean, don't buy something you don't like just because it's local, because you do have to be the one to knit with it. The other thing is make sure you get your your yarn wound. Oh, yeah. If you're traveling and one of the shops is just doing curbside or something like that, when you place your order, you can ask them to wind it, and then you're not having to wind it yourself in a moving vehicle, which is probably easier to do in an RV than it is in a car. And if you like winding your own yarn, that's cool too. But yeah. if, if you need it wound, be sure to ask if that's something that they offer. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, wild travels, Mary. Can we <laughs> hear the second part of her question? Yes. So the follow-up question, as many of us will be looking for opportunities to travel after COVID, do you recommend hitting up some fiber and wool festivals? If so, which ones do you recommend? Yeah. Yeah, I always recommend hitting up fiber and wool festivals. <laughs> and by the time they're actually going to take place in person again, I, I mean, I don't know when that will be. Right. I don't know if Rhinebeck will happen in 2021. We might be waiting till 2022 for that number of people to be able to congregate in a way that's safe and comfortable again. Like, I don't, I cannot see the future. You might be surprised to learn. But <laughs> I would strongly recommend Rhinebeck in New York, New York Sheep and Wool, if you're in the area in the fall. Maryland Sheep and Wool is also an impressive fiber festival. Stitches West would be a really fun event to go to. There's also Stitches takes place in the Midwest, and the Stitches events are more indie dyers rather mm. than like ag festivals. So like there's a there's a range of types of fiber events that happen. But I I say always yes to fiber events. Yeah. I would say if if what you want to do is hug a sheep, like there are events where you can hug sheep and then there are events that you can't hug sheep. And like Stitches West, you're probably not going to run in, or Stitches, any of the Stitches, you're probably not going to run into a sheep because it's like inside. <laughs> right. And then there's the category of fiber event like Rhinebeck or Maryland Sheep and Wool where there are inside parts and then there are go hug a sheep parts. And so that, which I really love. Vogue is really fun. The thought of Vogue right now is really stressful because it's in New York City and it's like 20,000 people in a two, single, floors, of in a two hotel. floors of a hotel and just like not being through COVID yet. Just thinking about that feels a little anxiety inducing, but who knows by 2022, it may not feel anxiety inducing anymore. It may be super exciting and it is really fun. Like we have had tons of fun there when we went in the past. Oh, for sure. I definitely missed having that be part of our January this year. But yes. also, if somehow they had put on the event, I wouldn't have gone. Oh, no. You know, like, it, now is not the time. But someday, someday it will be. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about a lot of these fiber festivals, I'm going to use Vogue as an example, because we know how many people roughly have gone there. It's like, you know, it is like 20,000 people in two floors of a hotel. And you always kind of get that like post, you get the crud 
afterward. Oh, yes. Right? You like you go and you have a great time. And then like three days after you go home, you're like, oh, I don't feel so well. Because that's just a lot of different biomes sharing a space. Yeah. And the thought of any of the events where as much as we love them and as much as I like this question makes me feel like nostalgic joy because we have so much fun at these things. The thought of any event where you have brought home crud right mm. now gives me creepy crawly feelings. Yeah. There's going to be an adjustment period. Yes. Mm-hmm. We were saying that the other day. We were like, how long is it going to take us to feel like normal human behavior is normal again? And I think like a while. Yeah. Yep. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's exciting to think about yes. what ifs and some days and. Oh, Rhinebeck. The next time Rhinebeck happens is going to be the most glorious thing. Mary, if you've never gone to Rhinebeck, a friend of ours referred to it as the matriarchy that we've always wanted. It's mostly women. And everybody's excited about everybody. Like, there's so much hugging. There's so much sweater complimenting. There's so much cider donut sharing. There's so much. It's just so much. It's glorious. And, and it's with people you know. And it's with your internet friends that you've never met in person. And it's with complete strangers. And kind of overwhelmingly, it is like everyone is high on wolf fumes. Yes. Like it is just, it is. (laughs) Wolf fumes and cider donuts. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it is joyful. There's fresh air. There is just hair everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, you get to see sheep shearings and alpaca shearings. And like, there's just a lot of like petting of people around you yeah it's amazing (laughs) well and like you see people wearing the same thing that you're wearing they're wearing the same hat or the same shawl or the same sweater and you're instant buddies and you'll talk about how you made it together or not you know you'll talk together about how you each made it (laughs) I guess you didn't make it together that's the exciting part do you remember I'm not going to name the designer because I'm so embarrassed about this but I think it was Vogue where I was wearing a sweater that had been designed by a designer and I realized that that designer was standing next to me and I had a like, this is so embarrassing freak out about it. That shouldn't have been embarrassing at all. I'm sure she was excited to see her sweater on a body. Yeah, that was a weird reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I like ran away from this poor woman. I was like, <laughs> ah, she's going to notice I'm wearing her sweater as though I had stolen it from her and not. Right. <laughs> yep. I think we're just like Fiber Festival events, nostalgia fest right now. Yeah. But when we were at Rhinebeck, I ran into tentacularly wearing the octopus sweater. And I was like, wait, are you who I think you are? <laughs> Is that the sweater? Oh, my God. And yeah. had this like insane fangirl moment where I was so excited about this sweater. And I just like to think about how special Fiber World is. Because where else do you see someone in a sweater that you saw on the internet and you're like, I know you. Yeah, I know you. Like, I I know something about you. Like, mm-hmm. I know that you put your work into this thing and I love this thing and therefore I love you. And we're, we're friends now. Yes. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, it gives me the warm fuzzies. And then, oh, yeah. And, like, you get to meet dyers that you love. You get to meet... I, I miss fiber events. We're taking you on a journey, Mary. We are. Can we go eat some cider donuts so I don't feel so sad? Yes. I'll have we'll have to make them. <laughs> we can do that. I can make cider donuts. <laughs> I have that skill. Yeah. So 
be safe, Mary, and plan well, and stay organized, and have fun. Oh, can safely. I, can I offer Mary one more additional little tip? Yeah, jump in. All your tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can find a case for them that has a magnet, like your stitch markers. So like, I think we used to sell little like embroidery cases that had magnets in them. Mm-hmm. Like that's really handy for if you're moving around a lot, because then all your stitch markers or like the little knits bracelet things. Yeah, the Maker's Keep, like, that's great if you just have a magnet with you. Oh, sure. That's handy. Like, if you drop your little tin of stitch markers and you're like, ah, they're all over the floor of the car or the RV or whatever you're in, the hotel room rug, I don't know. Grab your magnet and just, like, suck them all up off the floor. It's handy. It's a good tool. Yeah. All right, Mary, I think that's it. (laughs) That's all we got. I mean, that was a lot. and magnets. That's what we got. All right. I think that's it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. You should write us emails. Send them to dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. Follow us on Instagram. We are about to finish up in the coming two weeks, I think, two or three weeks, the Make Good Stash Down Knit Along. So the March of the Penguinos is about to happen, and we want to be seeing your Penguino progress pictures. So keep posting pictures on Instagram so we can see them and tag them, make good penguono. You can find us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I don't know how to put us on Stitcher. Yeah, we're on Stitcher. (laughs) And you can subscribe, rate and review us. It will help other knitters find us. And yeah, just keep telling us about your knitting because we love you all. And we love knitting. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.